Good morning. Britain's defense minister pays a surprise visit to Washington. Haiti protests a possible UN intervention. And Florida Governor Ron DeSantis strikes again. With these and other stories, I'm Paul Durienzo with the news for Wednesday morning, October 19, 2022. The United Kingdom's Defense Minister, Ben Wallace, dropped plans to address Parliament to rush to Washington overnight. The goal, according to Britain's Sky News, is shared security concerns. Reportedly, conversations Wallace will have with his Pentagon counterpart, Lloyd Austin, are beyond belief, suggesting sensitive issues are on the table. Pentagon Press Secretary Brigadier General Pat Ryder gave few details when asked at a news conference on Tuesday. Thanks, Aaron. James Matthews from Sky News in the UK. Ben Wallace, the UK's Defence Secretary, is in Washington today. Is he discussing the use of nuclear weapons or the response to the use of nuclear weapons? Uh, so he's here today to discuss uh, the Ukraine situation and the U.S. and U.K. joint efforts to support Ukraine, uh, as well as to, again, reaffirm the transatlantic ties and cooperation that our two countries share when it comes to issues like Russia. Again, we'll put a readout out later today detailing the meeting. Britain's Armed Forces Minister seemed to suggest on Sky News this morning that discussions were taking place that were, in his words, beyond belief. Can you illuminate us as to what he might have meant? Yeah, I'd have to refer you back to the, the minister for any comments he may have made. Thank you. Appreciate it. Meanwhile, in related news, Russia's defense ministry says a pair of Tu-95 strategic bombers conducted a 12-hour flight over the Pacific Ocean that brought the nuclear-capable aircraft within the Alaska Air Defense Zone. The Pentagon says the flights were nothing out of the ordinary. NORAD detected, tracked, positively identified and intercepted two Russian Tu-95 Bear H bombers entering and operating within the Alaskan Air Defense Identification Zone. Uh, no indication that there was any unsafe, unprofessional behavior. They did not present a threat. So, uh, Louis, you know, certainly uh, would encourage you to contact NORAD, uh, but this is pretty standard and routine uh, for us to issue releases. I think that you know, we try to, especially in light of everything going on in the world today, try to make sure that we're being as uh, transparent as possible when it comes to this kind of information so as to uh, ensure that folks have the facts. Pentagon Press Secretary Brigadier General Pat Ryder. Meanwhile, NATO is conducting its annual nuclear warfare preparedness drills this week, following statements by Russian President Vladimir Putin that seem to open up the possibility of his using nuclear weapons in Ukraine. NATO says the drills are routine and have been planned well before the Russian invasion of Ukraine. The drills run until the end of the month. In related news, the Times of London reports, based on NATO sources, that Russia is preparing nuclear tests in the Black Sea. Russia holds its own nuclear exercises in the fall. This year is no different. The National Security Council says Russia's so-called Grom drills would involve large-scale maneuvers of its strategic nuclear forces, including live missile launches. A spokesperson described them as routine. Earlier this week, United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres said Haiti's deteriorating security and health environment has produced an absolutely nightmarish situation for local people. He blamed it on the rise of gangs in the capital city of Port-au-Prince. Guterres says... There was need for an armed intervention in support of the Haitian police to open up the port to create a humanitarian corridor for delivery of aid. 
The response in Haiti and the United States by Haitian people was swift. In Brooklyn, the organization known as Comocoda, Creole for a Committee to Mobilize Against Dictatorship in Haiti, took to the streets of Brooklyn to oppose any intervention. The issue came to the fore on Tuesday when the United States Ambassador to the United Nations, Linda Thomas-Greenfield, said an intervention had become necessary because of gang activity. She singled out a gang led by Jimmy Cherzier, known as Barbecue. She says it's blocking the country's port. The draft resolution specifically lists Jimmy Cherzier, also known as Barbecue, as the subject of such sanctions. He is directly responsible for the devastating fuel shortage that is crippling the country. By passing this resolution, we would take concrete actions to hold him and so many other violent criminals to account. We must work with Haiti to reestablish the rule of law in a way that respects human rights. And we must hold those responsible for so much pain and violence accountable. Families across Haiti who don't know where their next meal will come from are counting on us. The humanitarian and health workers desperately trying to contain a cholera outbreak are counting on us. And victims of gang violence like Christelle Pierre are counting on us. But Haitian activist Dahoud Andre says the issue of gangs and cholera are a smokescreen for American imperialism. Barbecue is a two-bit clown, a buffoon at the service of the United States and its lackeys in Haiti. They are using him as a straw, a man, a boogeyman to make it seem as though barbecue has the capacity, the means to hold this country hostage. The fact is that the neighborhood of Delama, that barbecue and his gang, he has been for years trying to take over the entire neighborhood and he's not been able to do that. In Cité Soleil, about two months ago, was a major gang war between uh, Ibarbecue's G9 gang and the gang of uh, Gabriel. Barbecue was not able to take over Cité Soleil. So I want the people to understand that it's impossible that this buffoon, this clown, could hold a country hostage. Supposedly, there are 20,000 police in Haiti, close to 20,000 working in the police force in Haiti. So if there was no will to create, to use barbecue, to create this drama that does not exist, it wouldn't exist. Barbecue's gang G9 was facilitated by Ilan Lalim, who is the representative of Antonio Guterres, the UN Secretary General in Haiti. When these gangs were federating, she made a statement at the UN Security Council that 
the federation of gangs would be a good thing for the country of Haiti. It would reduce violence and crimes in the neighborhoods. Obviously, that does, did not happen. The government that is there right now was imposed on the country by the United States and the UN core group. So they have the same bosses. And the whole cholera thing is another straw issue, a fake issue that is being used by the UN, by the US, that cholera is going to kill every Haitian in the country if there is no intervention. When cholera was killing 20, 30,000 Haitians in 2010, 2011, the United Nations and United States treated it as though it was nothing. So now they're talking, there are 10 people or 20 people that in the past month have been killed by cholera as if there must be an intervention for that. This is all false. The people in Haiti and the Haitians outside of Haiti, we say no to intervention. Yesterday, we had a protest in Brooklyn that is Komokoda, the Committee to Mobilize Against Dictatorship in Haiti, and Samila Valas in New York. We held a protest that ran down Nostrand Avenue to say that we stand with the people of Haiti who are fighting to overturn the system, the corruption, the uh, domination that the United States, the enemies of the enslavers that our ancestors fought, they have created in our country what Donald Trump called the asshole reality in Haiti. Yes, it's an asshole, but it's not created by the Haitian people. It's created by France, the United States, Canada, and these countries that call themselves the friends of Haiti. Haitian activist Dahoud Andre. Meanwhile, White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre, who was born in Martinique, raised in Queens, New York, and speaks Creole and French, explained the U.S. plan to intervene in Haiti's affairs. The United States and Mexico are working on a draft UN uh, Security Council resolution that would authorize a non, to your point, a non-UN international security assistance mission to help uh, improve the security situation in Haiti. As she noted, the resolution would outline a mission led by a U.S. partner country with deep experience, and it would be limited and carefully scoped. Conversations are ongoing on how to move this process forward. There's still a possibility or consideration for for possible U.S. troops, or is that off the table? It is ongoing conversations on how to move forward. I'm not going to lay those out right now. White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre. While in New York, she worked with the Haitian show broadcast on WBAI, a politically oriented radio station. Meanwhile, in Haiti, protests against the U.S. plan heated up too. <laughs> While Haitians are generally united against outside interference, they've been invaded four times and occupied by the United States for nearly 20 years in the early 20th century, 
They are divided about the island nation's internal politics and the role of gang leaders like Barbecue. The English-language editor of Haiti Libre is Kim Ives. He says the gangs represent a grassroots movement. You have had criminal gangs emerge that do kidnap, extort, rape young women, all kinds of terrible crimes. But in opposition to that, you've had armed neighborhood organizations which are anti-crime, anti-kidnapping, anti-rape, anti-extortion, and that is what's called the G9 family and allies, mess with one, you mess with all, which is headed by Jimmy Barbecue Cherizier. Have you ever met him? Yes, yes, I have. In fact, we have a film coming out on him in about a week's time called Another Vision. Myself and journalist Dan Cohen, formerly of Mint Press News, have been working on this for about a year. Our timing appears to be impeccable. You don't think he's a, a negative asset? You think he's Absolutely positive? Absolutely not. This, this is a cross between Serpico and Robin Hood. Okay, this is a guy who is fighting for the people. He's from the people. Armchair revolutionaries talk about the popular explosion and the autonomous masses. Well, this is the autonomous masses. This is the masses self-organizing, arming themselves and saying they are going to overthrow the system. And that is his goal, a social revolution, not just political. He's not just trying to get into power and try to do it from the constraints, the straitjacket of a presidency. No, he's saying we have to totally change the ownership of the means of production of this country. And this is scaring the daylights out of Washington and the Haitian bourgeoisie, and this is why they are targeting him. How does this relate to all the intrigue surrounding the assassination of President Moises? It totally relates because essentially Moise was U.S. puppet for half of his reign. He came in on the coattails of Michel Martelly, who was the first PHTK leader. He thought he was going to have what Martelly had, which is a huge investment fund from Venezuela called the Petrocaribe Fund. This was $2 billion, basically, of cash that the Haitian state could dip into. And unfortunately for him, when he was being inaugurated in uh, 2017, the same time that Donald Trump was coming into power, and Trump slapped even more ferocious sanctions on Venezuela, that sunk the Petrocaribe Accord. And as a result, he didn't have any money to do all his promises. So he turned to the bourgeoisie who had been supporting him and said, listen, you guys, we got to renegotiate. You got to you got to chip in here to. Uh, and they said, what? You think we're working for you? You're working for us. Then they ended up having a feud and they were trying to kick him out. The U.S. had used him, had basically read him the riot act and said, listen, you got to get on board with the Juan Guaido anti-Maduro campaign. And he did. He did. He bent over. Trump had summoned him to Mar-a-Lago to basically read him that riot act. He starts to have second thoughts. So he starts to think about reconnecting with Maduro and put out feelers. Same thing with Russia. He started to make moves towards trying to establish some kind of line to Putin. And the U.S. saw this. And I think they gave the green light, the wink and the nod for this uh, operation. The U.S. via the FBI spent two or three months researching this. We haven't heard a peep, not one peep. On the contrary, they're sealing documents of some of, like the trigger man, a guy called Antonio Palacios Palacios, a former Colombian mercenary, 
they're sealing his documents for national security reasons, which one U.S. official said is basically telegraphing CIA involvement. We have a prime minister, de facto, no legitimacy whatsoever. He's about as legitimate as, say, Juan Guaido would be, put there by the U.S. Kim Ives is the English language editor of Haiti Libre. President of Haiti, Jovenel Moise, was assassinated on July 7, 2021, allegedly by a group of Colombian mercenaries. The assassination came in the wake of a disputed election. The new president, Ariel Henry, lacks legitimacy with most Haitians, but has the support of the United States. In more news of Haiti, the Haitian singer Mika Ben died on stage while performing in Paris on Sunday. He was recorded shortly before he collapsed. Mika Ben's real name is Michael Benjamin. Haiti-born rapper Wycliffe Jean of the hip-hop group The Fugees called him one of the most influential and inspirational young artists of our generation. Mika Ben was 41. He leaves a pregnant wife and two children. And in national news, with Democrats' congressional majorities at risk this November, Joe Biden vowed on Tuesday that the first bill he'll send to Capitol Hill next year would codify Roe v. Wade, re-legalizing abortion in the United States. The only sure way to stop these extremist laws that are put in jeopardy women's health and rights is for Congress to pass a law. And I've said before, the court got Roe right nearly 50 years ago, and I believe Congress should codify Roe once and for all. We're short a handful of votes. If you care about the right to choose, then you got to vote. That's why in these midterm elections are so critical to elect more Democratic senators to the United States Senate and more Democrats to keep control of the House of Representatives. If we do that, here's the promise I make to you and the American people. The first bill that I will send to the Congress will be to codify Roe v. Wade. And when Congress passes it, I'll sign it in January 50 years after Roe was first decided the law of the land. Standing in front of a banner that read Restore Roe, the president cast the election as a choice between Republicans opposing a nationwide ban on abortion and Democrats vowing to protect reproductive rights. All or most abortions were banned in at least 14 states, with several more engaged in legal battles to restrict access. The White House estimates 26.5 million women of reproductive age live in states with bans or severe restrictions. And Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is at it again. The right-wing Trump wannabe made headlines conspiring with Texas Governor Greg Abbott to bust tens of thousands of asylum-seeking migrants to so-called sanctuary cities like New York. Now it's been revealed he had at least 20, mostly poor and black Floridians, arrested for voter fraud. Body camera footage recorded the interactions with the formerly incarcerated men and women who were arrested for voting. Apparently, I, I guess you have a warrant? For what? I'm not it's sure. for voter stuff, man. For voters. It's, it's uh, what it huh? is. It, I think the agents with FDLE talked to you last week about some voter fraud, voter stuff, when you weren't supposed to be voting, maybe. They, they have reduced your bond quite a bit. 
it, it's two felony charges for voter fraud, but they've reduced it to $500 bonds. So it's $1,000 total. Oh my God, man, what so, the... Yes, sir. So unfortunately, right now, we're going to have to take you to jail, but you're get, you got a bond right away. You don't have to go to first. Ultimately, ma'am, you have a warrant? Okay. The warrant. Listen, hold on, listen. I know you're... You caught off guard, I understand. Right? So you have a warrant. It's for voter fraud, okay? Hear me out. It's an ROR. You know what an ROR is? Oh my God. You go in, you get booked, and then they're going to release you from booking. Right You're going to be right back out. I'm like, voter fraud. I voted, but I ain't fraud, commit no fraud. Well, so th that's the thing. I, I don't know exactly what happened with it, but you, you do have a warrant. That's what it's for. Okay. Oh, my God. Yeah, so I don't know what happened with that, but. Hey, unfortunately, you got a warrant out, okay? Warrant? Yes, sir. Want to put your hands behind your back for me? Well, no, but when I... No one ever really explained all that much to me. I told the guys when they came out here that I was at the, the driver's license place getting my new driver's license. Yeah. The guy there asked me, he says, hey, can you... Well, he says, hey, are you ready to vote? I said, no, I'm I'm pretty sure I can. He goes, well, are you still on probation? I said, no. Uh, I got off probation like a month ago. He goes, well, then you can probably vote. Hey, just fill out the form, and if you can vote, then they'll let you give you a card. If you can't vote, then you won't. And I'm like... Yeah, I guess they're doing like some kind of roundup thing or something for all the ones that were within the county. Yeah, I had to do one of these this morning already. Oh, really? Uh, do you know the statutes for them? It doesn't say it on the... Let, let's walk over to my car, okay? Why y'all doing this now and, and this happened years ago? I don't know. I, I have no idea, man. This shit is crazy, man. Y'all put me in jail for something I didn't know nothing about. Why would y'all let me vote if I wasn't, uh, I wasn't able to vote? Of the 19 people arrested, 12 were registered as Democrats and at least 13 are black. They face up to five years in prison. They're accused of violating a state law that doesn't allow people convicted of murder or felony sex offenses to automatically be able to vote after they complete their sentence. Voting was restored to most felons by a state referendum that was formally opposed by the governor. Closer to home. Mayor Eric Adams declared a state of emergency over the ongoing influx of immigrants, saying New York City is reaching its limit on a crisis he estimates would cost taxpayers $1 billion by the end of the year. Today, I am declaring a state of emergency in the city of New York and issuing an executive order. This executive order will formally direct all relevant agencies to coordinate their efforts to construct the humanitarian relief centers while also suspending certain land use requirements to expedite this process. The city initially constructed a tent city in the parking lot of Orchard Beach in the Bronx, but flooding forced Adams to shift the encampment to Randall's Island. In the meantime, the city has opened humanitarian emergency response and relief centers known as HERC centers. Adams also says the city will fast-track the placement of sheltered homeless people into permanent housing. Today, Commissioner of Immigration Affairs Manuel Castro and HHS Chief Ted Long appeared at the opening of a HERC center on Randall's Island. This is a historic moment. We haven't seen something like this in New York City for nearly a century. But more importantly, you'll continue to see the kind of welcoming we expect of the rest of the country. You will not see this anywhere else in the country. And I hope that the takeaway here from all of you is that New York City is doing everything possible 
to make sure asylum seekers are treated well, with dignity, and that their well-being is first and foremost in our mind. We're going to offer you food, snacks, water. You've come a long way. Your clothes are probably dirty. You probably haven't showered in some time. That's not the right mental state to be in to determine where you want to be for the next several years of your life. We can sit down and have a serious and long discussion with you to figure out what your journey has been, has been what's meant to you, and where you want to go moving forward. And then we will do everything in our power to get you there. HHS Chief Ted Long and Commissioner of Immigration Affairs Manuel Castro. At the center, asylum seekers will be given three meals a day, stay in a temperature-controlled dormitory, have laundry service on site, and be able to entertain themselves as they determine their final destination. The Randalls Island Center is the second relief center opened by the city. The Rowe Hotel, which opened over the weekend in Manhattan, serves families with children. And that's the news for Wednesday, October 19, 2022. The news was written by your reporter. You can hear the news at pauldirienzo.com. From New York City, I'm Paul DiRienzo. Thanks for listening.